Hi, my name's Pete Banton, and I'm the co-founder of the Awaken Life Project here in Portugal. And I'd like to welcome you to this new podcast, which is named after my recently released first book called The Fire of the Heart. In this podcast, I'm going to be exploring the nature of an authentic spiritual awakening and its potential implications in these tipping point times we are living through together. I hope that you will find these podcasts illuminating and provocative, and most of all, I hope that they'll ignite a big and potentially all-consuming fire in your heart. Hi everyone, uh, I thought it's about time to um, do a follow-up to the last podcast I put out about six weeks ago, which uh, was on the theme of um, conspirituality. <clears throat> so the title was uh, Conspirituality Theorist or Conspirituality Factualist. And the term conspirituality is a label that's been created recently. I don't know by who, um, but it's um, yeah being passed around um, to to uh, point to the growing number of let's say spiritual folks, you know, progressive folks, people in the wellness industry, yoga, meditation, that kind of thing, who are becoming interested in. Um, what are usually labeled as conspiracy theorists, <clears throat> and so um, there's a there's a there's a groundswell of um, thought leaders and um, um, different pundits uh, who are calling out this um, alarming development as as a, a form of what they call conspirituality, and uh, it's generally, of course, a derogatory term, and it's implying that the the, um, the sort of spiritual naivete, um, often directed at New Age kind of thinking, uh, in which people are looking for uh, quick and easy answers to the complexity of life, or are too quick to um, see patterns everywhere, um, too quick to um, make black and white uh, distinctions between good and evil. So p these people who are using this term conspirituality uh, are basically saying that um, this is the uh, naivete and um, <clears throat> you know magical or mythic thinking uh, that's leading to this conflation of spirituality and what's commonly known as conspiracy theories. So um, I've no doubt there's a lot of truth to that. Of course, there's a whole spectrum of <clears throat> people out there who are who might um, believe in what's often called conspiracy theorists. Um, but as with any label, uh, it tends to put everybody in the same category, the same box. <clears throat> and um, yeah, and of course the whole reason I feel uh, impelled to um, put out some, uh, some of my thoughts about this theme is I've been uh, condemned as a conspiracy theorist and a conspirituality <laughs> theorist myself. So uh, I'm just trying to make sense of it all as I believe many of us are these days. And I think maybe that's a good place to start, is to just acknowledge that um, whatever your um, particular worldview, whether you identify as politically left or right, um, we are, for those of us who are sensitive and intelligent to a reasonable degree, I think we can all uh, recognize that we're in the midst of a, a sense-making crisis. <clears throat> Uh, we're obviously in the midst, midst of all kinds of converging crises in, in our 
in our world. Um, but it's clearly true that more and more people uh, are losing their faith in uh, mainstream media and in governments. Um, the, the polls are quite extraordinary. I mean, big, big media companies like CNN, CBS, just losing their audience, you know, 30, 40 percent, um, I think, I believe, over this last year. And, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people um, are uh, questioning, you know, the powers that be in ways they never did before. Uh, mainly because of what's happened over the last year and because so much of what um, what we're being told uh, and what we're being uh, what's being enforced upon us in terms of these covid lockdowns just doesn't make sense I mean there's so many inconsistencies so many things that don't make sense I mean I've told a few of my friends that um, in terms of my own research into everything that's really get going on in the world and you know I don't claim to to know everything about everything that's going on in the world but I can say that that one thing I've had no doubt of uh, for some time through my own research is that um, something like this pandemic was coming uh, I could have predicted it and um, yeah and when when um, when when uh, I would put out that you know the the agenda behind this pandemic might not have anything to do with human health, but have something more to do with a uh, a um, movement towards greater centralized global control, principally through the United Nations. Um, you know, initially a lot of people would say, oh, no, man, that's just a crazy conspiracy theory, you know, maybe a year ago. But a year on, after everything that we've been through and continue to go through with COVID-19, or COVID-1984, as I like to call it, um, more and more people are questioning and connecting dots. And, you know, it's not necessarily to say that more and more people necessarily know exactly what's going on, um, but more and more people are definitely more sure about what isn't really going on. In other words, um, <clears throat> you can recognize that something you're being told is false and um, not necessarily know exactly what is true. You know, but if you, if you do start to recognize that you know, media, government are actually feeding you lies, well then, uh, yeah, suddenly it, you know, it brings online a kind of antenna uh, in terms of curiosity um, about what's really going on and an, a receptivity to all other sources of information that just wouldn't have been there before. So I think for all these reasons, um, this uh, sense-making crisis <clears throat> um, is very positive, as, as chaotic uh, as it is and you know as polarizing as as it can be um, one, one way this uh, sense-making crisis is described in some progressive circles is that we're now living in a post-truth world uh, in other words there is no consensus really for our collective meaning-making about what's going on uh, in the world and in society and uh, we're therefore fracturing into all these kind of different um, uh, groupings based around certain ideas and worldviews and ideologies. And obviously there's, there's a great deal of that which is, is not positive, is negative. Um, people just getting lost in their own uh, echo chambers and um, you know, all the endless bickering and fighting between different groupings. I mean... What to do? That's just human nature. Some people are going to go that way. Uh, but I do believe and intuit also that uh, there's far more people who aren't going that way and who are actually just, you know, um, opening up to this uh, 
post-truth uh, reality uh, with a lot of uh, interest, curiosity, and concern um, about where we're all going. Um, now, one thing I noticed is is that uh, people who are critical <coughs> of conspiracy theorists, um, one of their main criticisms is that uh, people like us who who are conspiracy theorists or conspiracy factualists, we are um, lacking nuance. We're lacking discrimination. Um, we're just, you know, connecting dots that confirm our own cognitive bias, our own confirmation bias. Um, but uh, it's very rare, I find, that people people who are critiquing that way are actually willing willing to turn that criticism around. Uh, and look at themselves, um, you know. Because fair enough, people people might say things like that. But when I when I respond and say, well, actually, all the conclusions that I've come to, the, the things that I'm quite sure about, uh, they're not the result of just reading one or two articles and connecting those dots. They're a result of 16 years of ongoing research um, in many different um, domains. You know, and as I shared on the last podcast, that all began for me with uh, 9-11. Um, and it's very interesting because when I would emphasize that, usually it falls on deaf ears. People don't really uh, make room for or let in that um, it's possible for a so-called conspiracy theorist <laughs> to, to be very thorough to to have a lot of nuance, to have looked at many sources of, you know, information and and to have you know to be open to a process of um, cross-pollination you know that isn't just a knee-jerk um, you know pattern recognition based on one's confirmation bias now of course you know we all have confirmation bias I mean that is an aspect of how the mind works it's something that we all need to look out for um, but to to just uh, accuse or critique somebody whose worldview deeply challenges uh, your own of having con cognitive or confirmation bias uh, can can simply be a cop out and you know a way to cut off any kind of deeper inquiry. Another um, critique uh, that's often made of conspiracy. Um, theorists or conspirituality theorists is they presume that people uh, these people are too uh, reductionistic in other words um, we, we, we're too uh, willing to see things in a way that's too black and white uh, good versus evil um, and of course this is this is because if you're a conspiracy theorist um, what your what you believe, or what what your research has led you to believe, is that there are very powerful people who are conspiring together. Maybe not all of them, but you know, in the highest echelons of power, um, what we might find is something that we could call evil. And. Um, you know, of course, there's always the danger of this kind of more, um, you know, trilig traditionally religious-based um, um, reductionism of good versus evil. And, you know, I, I notice that critiques often reduce it to that. Um, when, of course, if you're an intelligent, you know, discerning person, of course, you know, the dynamics of what's going on in, in our shared world are, are far more complex than any, you know, broad stroke, black and white picture. There's all kinds of forces and karmas at play, you know. But, um, but I do feel that many people in the progressive um, spiritual scene um, use this critique to uh, to avoid a confrontation with the reality of human evil, and that's what I want to go into uh, a little bit deeper 
on this um, podcast. Um, because let's let's call them uh, conspiracy deniers. Um, I think they're often deniers of the very real human potential for evil. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I find even even saying that word, it's not it's a word that doesn't sit easily with us as modern and especially postmodern um, and especially progressive people. And why is that? I think that's a very interesting question. Um, I also want to add that um, for those of us who are Westerners who've, re who've rejected um, traditional religion and obviously Christianity and therefore the whole idea of uh, uh, an outside um, deity, creator God and also the idea of his uh, evil adversary, uh, Satan, um, you know, we, we, reject, we reject those kind of mythological ideas as um, outdated, understandably so. But then uh, we tend to embrace um, the spirituality, the enlightenment teachings that have their roots in the East. And of course, uh, one of the major ways in which um, the Eastern spirituality is different from the Western, broadly, is that number one, there is no creator or God in the sense of a, a deity out there. Um, you know, one could say that everything is God or everything is consciousness or everything is the Tao, as, they, as they'd say in China. Um, Brahman, as they would say in India. So there's this... Um, you could say the bringing of God, the, the idea, the concept, the projection of God down from the sky um, into the nowness, the, 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 uh, the vivid presence of our reality here and now. And at the same time, um, this whole notion of good versus evil <clears throat> or God versus um, Satan Satan is um, is brought down is is uh, is um, transcended really in in a recognition that you know while there is good and bad we could even say good and evil um, pleasure pain love and hate up and down left and right man versus woman etc. In other words, we, we live in a conditional matrix of polarity. Um, the deeper uh, revelation, understanding, awakening that we can um, recognize and experience through engaging the Eastern streams of spirituality is that it's all the divine. It's all God. And... Um, of course, that awakening is is the foundation of any truly uh, liberated um, response in relationship to being here in this world. Um, because then we recognize that this human-created conditional world is not purposed to be a heaven. It's not purposed to be a utopia. <clears throat> and... Um, yeah, it releases us from often from this kind of very uh, Western uh, um, idealism of wanting to bring heaven to earth, let's say, to put it crudely, uh, by eradicating all not only human evil but you know everything that's that we perceive to be wrong, you know, poverty, starvation, uh, abuse, and injustice of all kinds. So I think many of us in this, uh, in the more postmodern, progressive, uh, alternative Western culture, um, we freed ourselves, you could say, from this um, concept or idea of evil 
in the sense of you know living under the sort of Christian shadow that um, that has this kind of uh, intrinsic message that we're living in a fallen world you know that we are living in a, a veil of tears you know original sinners and um, our enlightenment our salvation will only be found through belief in Jesus or the the great other that is God uh, and usually we're only going to have a hope of experiencing that after we die so um, so in all these ways and others um, the uh, the um, bringing of the Eastern spirituality to the West has been uh, has been very uh, very evolutionary but um, there's also a tendency that I've, you know, I've, I've observed it in myself over the years and many, many people that I've been involved with intimately in spiritual community. And uh, this is also well known and, and it's what's often called spiritual bypassing. And especially when it comes to non-dual spiritual teachings, um, in which the fundamental knowledge vision is that there is only God or consciousness or the divine reality already. You know, everything is as it is. And that inherent recog that, re that recognition of inherent one oneness uh, frees us from any kind of uh, binding... Um, entanglement in this world right, of wanting this over that of pursuing pleasure over pain of wanting to save the world and um, eradicate all all that we perceive to be negative it actually frees us to be um, present to the intuition that the divine reality is already always already the case it's already here uh, the divine has not withdrawn. The divine uh, has, ha, you know, God, the divine, is not contingent on on us as human beings uh, doing or thinking or anything in particular. In fact, all of our doing, our thinking, our philo philosophizing doesn't eat, doesn't touch, doesn't um, modify in any way the uh, the radiant transcendent heart or reality that we always already are and so of course in that um, recognition that intuition especially if one goes deeply into it if one meditates on it if one gives oneself to that um, gift that mystery uh, one becomes a great lover you know, one's heart opens and one experiences more and more what we could call love bliss um, deep creative inspiration um, we might find our life being propelled by what I like to call the power that knows the way you know the power that's breathing this body that's making the plants grow that's you know caressing your skin in the wind, uh, the power that's doing everything. You start to feel and experience yourself also being done, being lived uh, in a way in a way that um, frees you from self-concern, self-preoccupation, self-possession, um, frees you from this illusory notion of being distinct and independent from everything else so all of these kind of um, qualities uh, transformations and, and many more that I could describe can, can emerge um, but because what I really want to point to is that because we're all hardwired to want to feel good over feeling bad when we get involved in spiritual life, we often tend to still bring that kind of materialistic uh, 
bias or orientation uh, into into our spiritual pursuit, our meditation, and so often there's an um, it's often unconscious. There's often a, a an unconscious um, bypass of pain, of darkness, of evil. Um, so I just want to share a little bit from my my own experience of this. Um, these threads of inquiry that opened up for me, you know, 15 years ago or so, when I began to question so much about what we had been told, um, what we'd been taught at school, what we'd been taught about history, what we've been taught about science. There's so many threads uh, that have um, that have um, yeah changed my worldview. Uh, in so many ways, and help me to understand uh, the deeper patterning of what's going on, you know, in this uh, human adventure we're all together in. Uh, but one of the most important aspects of it has been a confrontation with what I can only call evil. And I can, I can, I can very much relate to the resistance that people have. Uh, to to even confront this potential, because when my research started taking me in that direction, started revealing uh, potentials for an evil beyond anything I could have imagined. Well, I didn't want to go there initially, or I was like, hmm, well, no, this can't be true, you know. Um. But over time, as repeated, um, as different avenues of research brought me repeatedly, um, you know, this wasn't um, um, haphazard. You know, this was following lines of empirical research, <coughs> and over and over, <coughs> it was bringing me into this confrontation. We're truly a monstrous and inhuman's hum, monstrous and inhuman capacity to evil, for evil, in um, in many of those that are the most powerful people in, in this world, and not only today but also in the past. So I don't want to go into this podcast. Um, too much uh, detail about all of that. I mean, my purpose in these podcasts is not really to present all my research or my conclusions. There's there's plenty of places you can go to find out about that, and and I'd be happy to to recommend um, any sources if people are interested. But um, I, I do just want to bring up one issue that I think more and more people are becoming aware of. Uh, as it pertains to this, and that has to do with child trafficking, human trafficking, um, which is going on on a massive industrial scale in our world today. It's always been going on, but it's happening on a scale today that uh, it's never happened before. And, um, you know, this... this uh, Evil is starting to be exposed, if you know where to look in the uh, alternative media. Uh, it, the mass media completely ignores the whole issue, uh, but it is being exposed. And um, there, are, there are aspects to this, um, this horrible um, industry, I hate to call it that, but that's really what it is that are absolutely horrific. What is being done um, to innocent children, especially, um, it's horrifying. It's just simply horrifying. And um, for some reason, I've always had this burning passion 
to know what is true. And of course, my primary passion has been for truth absolute. Uh, to awaken, you know, to that ultimate ground that there is only God, that there is only the divine reality. But at the same time, I've also had this passion for finding out what's relatively true, at least in terms of important important things, you know, concerning um, the uh, our global um, situation and you know how human evolution has proceeded over time. And um, one of the things I find in my own experience and in my own practice, and I really think of it as a practice these days, is that bearing witness to evil is something that um, is deeply challenging. It's prof it can be profoundly upsetting. Um, and yet, when one truly does it, uh, just opens oneself up to the information, to the testimony. I'm not talking about just hearsay, you know, I'm talking about testimony of people who've been involved in this kind of evil, who've been abused, who managed to escape, who've blown the whistle. <clears throat> There's a lot of it out there. Yeah, and I find that when I um, bear witness to this pain, this evil, this abuse, and feel the horror of what so many in innocents have endured at the hands of, you know, sadistic and psychopathic, powerful elites, that in some, in some very deep way, I am, in my own small way, helping to bring this darkness to light. You know, and then there's other dimensions, of course, which has to do with sharing the information, you know, if one feel, feels compelled to do so. Um, but, yeah, there's something about just bearing witness to pain, to evil, to the abuse, to the un injustice. You know, we live in a time, we've grown up with TV, you know, we've grown up with war on, on our TV screens every night. There's always been some horrors going on somewhere. Of course, they're usually always going on somewhere far away. <clears throat> and mass media has desensitized us. It's numbed us to the, the horror of what so much of the human family are undergoing at some time or another. It's just become, you know, how life is, you know. <clears throat> um, but that's that's the other part of this because... As I've opened up and discovered more about, you know, how bad things are, let's say, in many ways, it's actually given me more faith in human nature. <clears throat> and, and that's because I've begun to understand that so much of what we accept as normal, have accepted as normal, in terms of war, you know, famine, pest, you know, disease, um, you know, political unrest, injustice and abuse of all kinds. So much of that, you know, also ecological destruction, of course, massive, massive um, issue. All of these things <clears throat> that we are, you know, we're all very, very concerned about, they are not the result of, you know, human nature, um, per se, on, on a mass, on a sort of mass basis, they are largely, very largely, the result of the um, agenda and the machinations of of the elite. And I'm not by saying the elite. I'm not saying bunching them all into one group. I'm not necessarily saying that they all have exactly the same agenda. But when you start to understand the hidden hand, let's say, behind governments, behind the media. You know, when you start to understand the mechanics of the central banking system, you know, of how money is created out of thin air and lent at interest to governments and, of course, all of us. 
how it is, you know, the money machine that is the force behind all wars. I can tell you, based on my research, all of the major wars for the last 300 years have been financed on both sides by these um, yeah, elite controllers, let's say. When you start to see how the tentacles stretch into a lot of these global organizations that, you know, we people genuinely presume are benign, like, you know, the UN, the International Monetary Fund, the World Health Organization. A lot of people have been questioning that one in the last year. You start to see um, that so much of uh, what we've come to accept as, you know, as just um, dysfunctional human madness and misery um, is not, you know, how we really are as a human family. It's that, you know, we've, we've allowed ourselves unknowingly to be manipulated and distorted and, um, and by, by forces that we have not been aware of. And, you know, these forces are evil. And the reason I, I describe them as evil, because to me what evil really points at is the destruction of the sovereign... rights on the one hand of the individual but also the sovereign spirit in other words the individual's capacity for freedom right? and that stretches from the the dimension of you know freedom uh, socially you know to, to earn a living you know to to not have to wear a mask for a year you know for example um, to the deeper, the deeper potentials and implications of true spiritual freedom, uh, in which we begin to recognise not only our own divinity, but actually the divinity of this whole appearance. You know that it's all a, it's all a modification of conscious light, and there is so much untapped potential in and between us as human beings in terms of how we can relate, but also what we can create together. I mean, we haven't, we've barely gotten started. And um, why, you know, why is all of, why is this knowledge, you know, this potential, um, uh, why is it not propagated? Why, why, why are we uh, marshaled into these, um, you know, cages of, of uh, belief and identity um, you know and why are we uh, manipulated you know left versus right men versus women Chris, Christian versus Muslim on on it goes you know why 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 do we allow the um, the hidden hand of government media to divide us, to keep us fighting each other, while they surreptitiously carry on with their totalitarian tiptoe, as David Icke puts it, you know, this ever more um, globalized, centrally controlled world. More and more people are waking up to this. And if you see where it's all going, and you don't have to go very far to really see where this is all going. I mean, Klaus Schwab, for example, from the World Economic Forum has stated it very clearly, amongst many others. This is about transhumanism, ultimately. This is about population reduction. Um, there's a phrase from the, the Great Reset Agenda, that you'll, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Really? It's on posters and billboards in, in, in modern cities and this is the chance for the Great Reset now because of this uh, COVID catastrophe and uh, of course we'll, we'll own nothing and we'll be happy because they will own everything, whoever they are and they'll be even happier and we'll be enslaved um, and we are being enslaved in so many ways that we 
we are, we're usually not aware of. But anyway, I digress a little. But to get back to this theme of um, of evil, yeah, I think too many people uh, in the postmodern progressive scene um, have an unexamined uh, resistance to opening up for the, to the potential of evil. And I believe many of those people, and obviously many others, are in for a shock because it's my intuition and also based on my research that, that the some of some of this evil maybe even all of it you know the the most fundamental uh, dimensions to it it is going to start coming out into the light it's already happening uh, but the, but there's a lot more to come and um Yeah, this 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 is potentially you could say it's going it could be a, a collective dark night of the soul, you know, in which um, the human family ha you know has to face into um, the utter darkness and depravity in inhumanity that that some of us, some human beings, are capable of. Um, but you know it's really a spiritual law that um, the only way to discover true freedom and wholeness is to face everything, face everything and avoid nothing. And you know we all we all tend to want to move into the light, but we often want to deny the darkness, and of course that's our own darkness, um, our own selfishness, our own greed, all the rest of it. But also we, we often want to tend to deny the presence of true evil in the world out there that we're sharing together. I think this is one of the reasons that um, you know, so many of these people are, you know, what I what I could call conspiracy deniers. You know. Um, I mean, why is it that otherwise perfectly intelligent, thoughtful and rationally minded people often balk at the suggestion that there are psychopaths or sociopaths that are conspiring to manipulate and deceive them. I mean, I mean, you know, one just has, has to have a cursory look at history uh, to see you know, the machinations of liars, bullies, narcissists, and their devastating effects. And in modern times, too, I mean, there's, prof there's all kinds of evidence of corruption and deceptions um, that have come to light. Um, but despite this, you know, there's a lot of resistance. I mean, for example, we know without question that politicians lied, lie, and they hide their connections to the corporations that pay them. Um, we, we, we know that there are revolving doors between the corporate and political spheres. Uh, you know, the corrupt regulators and lobbyists. We know that the media and the judiciary don't ever really bring this kind of endemic corruption to any kind of real justice or exposure. We know that um, in intelligence and in law enforcement, there's all kinds of wrongdoing. There's all kinds of justice that's never forthcoming. We know that governments repeatedly ignore the rights of the people. We know that they abuse and mistreat the people. I mean, none of this is that controversial. So exactly what is it that conspiracy deniers refuse to acknowledge? And, and often very self-righteously. Why, against all the evidence, and, you know, I often find this, you know, I'll, I'll say to people, well, I can, why don't you read this? Or I can send you some, something to look at, some fact-based evidence. But why is it that so often they just contemptuously um, 
you know, write, write you off or defend some kind of illusion that those who are really in control, you know, are, 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 um, have our best interests at heart. <laughs> I mean, despite all the, all the corruption that we're aware of, that the media does fundamentally serve the people and fundamentally serves truth rather than falsehood. I mean, the BBC, the New York Times, CNN, come on, these are, these are, you know, trusted sources of authority. You know, then okay, you know, there's all kinds of distortions and corruptions, but, you know, they're not fundamentally fake news. How could that be possible? So why is it, you know? Why are people so allergic to this word conspiracy? I think it's just a very interesting question. So as I've said, I think one of the reasons is that people just don't want to make room for the fact that those uh, that maybe they admire, you know, people, uh, very powerful people, politicians, leaders, celebrities, um, could be conspiring in this evil way. Um, yeah, it's very difficult for people to accept. But when you start to understand a little bit more about human psychology, and especially in the West, you know, for those people who've been abused, particularly um, in childhood, I mean, look, we've all been traumatized. I mean, how can we not be traumatized by living in that? such a dysfunctional um, and often very inhospitable world. Um, but, you know, some are more than others. And for many of those who are in powerful positions, many of those who uh, succeed in business and politics and banking, uh, you know, there's been many studies to show that they are psychopathic in the sense that they have... A, a significantly reduced or maybe even non-existent capacity for empathy and um, you know it's because they lack this um, what we would call humanity or capacity for in empathy it's one of the reasons that they thrive and are able to rise up to the highest uh, echelons of power So I think that's one factor. Um, and people, yeah, I mean, you know, people can be very smart, very articulate, very clever, very apparently loving, very persuasive, very charming, very charismatic, and still be narcissists, still be psychopaths or sociopaths to, to one or another degree. Another aspect I just I want to touch on is um, is fear. You know, so it's the, there's the fear of confronting evil, but there's also um, the fear of um, challenging the the a deep unexamined kind of relationship to the state. As, as a big mummy or a big daddy. You know, so, you know, most progressive postmodern people, of course, think they're way beyond that. You know, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a mature, independent, discerning human being. You know, I'm not depending on the state to be my mummy and daddy. Now, just like I'm not depending on traditional religion or some God idea to be my big mummy or big daddy out there. But then... I ask, well, why are, are so many afraid of looking at evidence which might suggest that Big Mummy, Big Daddy, or let's call it Big Brother, <laughs> you know, in terms of the state, um, why is there so much resistance to, to considering, even considering 
that um, there might be evil there, that we might there maybe they're not working in our best interests at all. Why is there? And there is a childish need within us, which has never evolved beyond its original survival function, of trusting those in our environment who are simply the most powerful, the most present and active. When we have never truly explored our own psyches and deeply in interrogated what we truly believe and why. So what I'm getting at here is that, you know, I, I do believe that this is a phenomenon that's um, endemic and is actually in evidence all around us if we have eyes to see it. In my view, this is how conspiracy deniers are able to cling to and aggressively defend what often is an illogical fantasy that somehow, above a certain undefined level of social hierarchy, you know, evil, corruption, deceit, um, you know, they're just not present. It's, you know, it's a well-known uh, uh, maxim that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I don't remember who, where that quote came from. You know, it's something we often hear. You know, many people will, will concur with that, that idea. And yet, many of those people that would concur with that idea... Um, you know, don't realize that they're holding on to a very core and comforting illusion at the root of their mindset. And um, to such a degree that they feel justified in their belief and also justified in pompously jeering at and mocking those who see otherwise. If there's any truth to this, then it would explain why it is that the conspiracy deniers will attack any suggestion that um, the caregiving archetype is no longer present. By that, I mean the caregiving archetype of, of Big Brother, of the state. The conspiracy denier will attack any such suggestion as viciously as if their survival depended on it their sense of well-being, of security, of comfort, is completely invested in this fantasy. The fantasy that, you know, despite, yes, corruption and, you know, we all know things could be a lot better. The fantasy I'm pointing to is this fundamental belief that, you know, the UN, the International Monetary Fund, the World Health Organization, when all the politicians get together at Davos and da-da-da-da-da, you know, they're all fundamentally concerned with our welfare, with the good. You know, the Agenda 2030, you know, becoming sustainable. All of this um, progressive... Um, globalizing social political movement it's made to sound in so many ways that it's benign and even essential to our human well-being and many many people many many very progressive and otherwise mature and intelligent people are very very attached to this what I'm calling an illusion or fantasy you know, for example, the common refrain from the conspiracy denier is there couldn't be a conspiracy that big. Well, I would always respond by saying, well, how do you know? And how big? How big is it allowed to be in your worldview? So at what point does a conspiracy become so big that they just couldn't get away with it? 
I mean, that's another thing. You know, sometimes people say, well, if there was a conspiracy that big, we'd, we'd all know about it. You know, we'd hear about it on the news. <laughs> anyway, so... Yeah, I think I think this time of um, crisis of sense making, everything that's happened in this past year with COVID and all of the questions that it's brought it brought up for so many of us, as as challenging and divisive as a lot of it is, I think it's very very positive. It's very very positive that more and more people are confused, you know, are questioning like what the heck is going on. Um. Because I believe, anyway, that um, the powers that be, that have basically held sway over the minds of the masses for so long, they're losing control of the narrative. And what we're seeing is a, a sea change um, in which the, um, the power bases of this corrupt elite are being eroded and exposed. And very gradually... Um, replaced I sincerely hope and um, I think this year we might be in for some big surprises so uh, I think I just want to end with um, yeah, just sharing again what, what, what drives me to um, lean into this whole arena and to speak about it and to share what I do. It's because I believe it's every human being's responsibility to expose psychopathic agendas wherever they exist and never to attack those who seek to do so. So, you know, there's a spiritual law which is knowledge equals responsibility. Now, I often feel that you know, from my ego's point of view, a lot of what I know, a lot of the horrors I've learned about, I'm much, you know, from my ego's point of view, I'd rather I didn't know about it. Um, and so, of course, I can understand why people don't want to know about it, because it's unbearable. Um, but it's also because it opens your heart, your spiritual heart, when you let in the pain the completely unnecessary, appalling pain of so much of the human condition. It's like, um, yeah, living living as a raw nerve that can never be healed, you know. And we can only bear the knowledge of that kind of pain if you know if we're established if we if we can open our hearts so wide to the whole picture that at the same time we're in touch with the knowledge vision of love of non-duality um, that can see and feel that pain in the context of a greater whole in which that pain mysteriously gets transmuted um, in, into into love and that's why I feel that more and more of us being willing to bear witness to the pain of the human condition and being willing to have the courage to confront the horror of human evil uh, is so essential you know some people might, might be moved to be activists and be out there on the streets and joining organizations but just as significant it's just as significant um, for more and more individuals to just simply bear witness um, to whatever knowledge may come our way through our own inquiry and questioning. And I, I definitely don't mean blindly, you know. Uh, I always say everyone has to do their own research. Everyone has to make their own journey with this. Um, but it does give me uh, a lot of... Um, Hope actually, and deep down, I am I am feeling very optimistic, because there are more and more people uh, waking up. Um, it's not necessarily all a, what we would call a spiritual awakening, uh, but it's definitely a social political awakening, 
and and that's obviously the more that can happen that's just a greater springboard for more and more people to awaken um, to the truth of our pride unity so uh, I think I'll leave it there for today and uh, I wish you a very good day and um, I think I'll lean into this theme uh, a little more on the next podcast okay bye bye so thank you very much for listening that's it for today if you would like to find out more about my book The Fire of the Heart you can go to thefireoftheheart.com where you can also download four free chapters if you'd like to find out more about the Awaken Life Project then go to awakenlifeproject.org or our Awaken Life Project Facebook page where you can find out all about our ashram, extended spiritual community, retreats and other events, and our adventures living off-grid in the mountains of Portugal. So keep on keeping on until next time, and as they say in Portugal, até já.